It's time for episode 120 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, January 20th, 2016. Clockwise. Four people, four technology topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, where we talk until the clock tells us to stop. I am your host, Jason Snell, and across the internet from me, my co-host, as always, Mr. Dan Morin. Hi, Dan. Hi, Jason. My clock never tells me anything. I ask it questions, it doesn't answer. Wow, you need a better clock. I do need a better clock. That's definitely true. I suggest throwing it out the window, because then you'll get to see time fly. Uh, My clock struck 13 the other day, so time to get a new clock. Yeah, that's... (laughs) Wow. Uh, This is Clockwise, where we bring in two wonderful guests to talk about four technology topics in less than half an hour. Uh, To my left... It is one of the hosts of Mac Power Users right here on Relay FM. It's Katie Floyd. Hello. Welcome back. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. And to my left, it's one of the co-hosts of Reconcilable Differences right here on Relay FM. It's Mr. Merlin Mann. Hi, Merlin. Hey, team. How's it going? It's Merlin. It's Merlin from many podcasts. Hello. You may remember him from the internet. <laughs> um, all right. Or maybe not. Who knows? Or maybe not. You may, you may you may be like Dan's clock and broken. Uh, so I will go with the first topic, and then we'll move clockwise and uh, discuss all four of the topics today. Uh, here's mine. Uh, it's a hypothetical. I just thought I would play this game with you, which is one of the Apple devices. We all use Apple devices here. One of the Apple devices that you use every day. I'm going to forcibly replace, and you can get a, you can get a different device in that category, but it can't be from Apple. Um, so my question for you is, which one do you give up between a computer, a tablet, a phone? Which one will you give up being in the Apple Halo, and why, Katie? I really don't want to, but I guess if if I it's have the law. to, it's the it's law. The law. I, it's I have not to. it's not me. It's just I'm the bearer of bad tidings. I I guess I would pick my tablet, and and I guess that's because it's of the main devices I use the the Mac, the iPhone, and the iPad. It's probably the one that could be most generically replaced because I'm I'm using my iPad at this point really more as a consumption device. So I I think that would be the one that I could replace with the least amount of pain. I'm not saying that I would want to, but some of the the Microsoft Surface looks pretty interesting. Um, I, I've seen several people use those recently. And I think I could do many of the things that I currently do with my iPad on the on the surface. So I, I would I would look at maybe replacing my my iPad with a with a non Apple tablet. I, I agree with Katie that the, the tablet seems like the easiest thing to replace. But the downside to that is I think so many of the tablets are, are not good. Um, and so and, and recently I had the experience of trying to troubleshoot someone uh, someone's PC. Uh, and remembered uh, that though the, though I spent a long time in my career troubleshooting PCs and fixing them, I realized I don't know how to use Windows anymore. So I think that would be a really big impact on my productivity. So I'm going to take an unconventional choice and say the phone. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I would go use a Windows phone for a while. I know they're not, you know, a lot of people uh, have some criticisms of them. In fact, a, a couple of folks I know who work at Microsoft just got iPhone. So uh, maybe that's not the most compelling <laughs> argument for it. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe I just want to see how the other half lives. And maybe I would come crying back and, and plead to Jason to let me get my iPhone back. Well, Dan, if you want to see how the other 5% live, then get a Windows phone. <laughs> Yeah, I found this one to be like uh, very difficult, like Sophie's Choice, but if it were something really important. And, and, and in this case, I have to say the, the practical answer is that I would, get, I would basically get rid of the tablet. I can't imagine using a different tablet. I think basically I just would stop using a tablet. I, I mean, I guess I could try other things, but I really, really have come to love using an iPad 
But, you know, in some ways, my gut answer is that it would be the, the PC. I, I See, none of this makes sense to me because I've never used anything but Apple stuff. But, you know, I guess my choice would just be probably to just try and get by with just uh, just my iPhone. Because I, I, I honestly can't imagine using something besides an iPhone. But, uh, no, I, I found this one super tough. Hmm. For me, uh, I, I'm actually going with uh, with the same as uh, as Dan. I would I would dump my iPhone, keep my Mac and my iPad. I love my iPad. Uh, I've got the iPad Pro now. I've I spent a lot of time on the iPad. I don't use my iPhone as much as I use those other devices. Part of this is because I've got those devices, and part of it is because I'm not you know out and about traveling and uh, roaming the land as a as an outlaw or anything like that. And so I figure like you know I, although I use apps on my iPhone, I don't use my iPhone as much as I use my iPad and my Mac. So I would I would sacrifice it and you know get an Android phone and it would be fine. Uh, I would not I would prefer not to, but I think I could get by with uh, with that because of the amount of time that I spend using uh, using I, I would be sad because I'd lose my Apple watch which I also like but it would have to go as part of it so yeah it's it's difficult it, I, part of the point of asking this was to uh, not just sort of find out maybe what was the the weakest link on the chain in terms of Apple products or or device categories but I was also a little bit curious just to go through the exercise of what is there a place where you felt like the the grass might be a little bit greener and also how Apple kind of uh, encompasses you and kind of makes you want to stay entirely inside it Nobody will get rid of their Macs, though. So that's that's the important thing. I don't know. Merlin was thinking about it. Merlin's (laughs) so despondent, we don't know what he's going to do, really, frankly. (laughs) I think there's probably a good reason you did not include Apple TV or Apple Watch. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) that would be unfair to all. Uh, Katie, what uh, topic do you have for us? There was an interesting article this week that, you know, kind of popped up in my world. As you you all know, I'm an attorney by day, and one of the areas where I practice is estate planning. And there was an interesting article about a a lady who recently lost her husband but wanted to still have access to some of the apps and the information that he purchased, but she did not know his Apple ID. So she went through the difficult process of trying to reset his Apple ID, and as we've harped on Apple for years. They've upped their security. She ended up having to call Apple technical support, was trying to basically get access to his his Apple ID information. And um, Apple initially didn't want to release that information without a court order. And it, it appears that after this kind of blew up as a thing, they, they ultimately reneged. But it led to an interesting question of what, if anything, have you done? And if you haven't done anything, what are you thinking about doing in the future to kind of prepare your tech life for your eventual death and disability? I figured we'd start this out on a happy note. Mm. Yeah, nothing I like talking about more than morbidity and mortality. Uh, I, you know, not not enough, I think is probably the short answer. I do think that um, I've tried to sort of you know, at least keep all my passwords someplace, like using something like one password, so that the amount of information that thus I would have to pass on to someone else uh, would be pretty limited. But then I think about all the things that probably aren't covered by that, like my, you know, my iPhone passcode. Uh, so, you know, I think the, the answer is this is this is something new that a lot of people have had to think about in the last decade as so much of our information is stored online. Uh, and it's not something that people prepare for the same way they prepare for, say, you know, their, all the, where all the rest of their assets are going and stuff like that. Um, and, and some people aren't very good at that either. So, uh, you know, I think it's one of those things that nobody likes to think about, but it definitely does bear thinking about because there's so much stuff that, you know, the people who are left behind will have to deal with. And think about how difficult this is. I, I'm always reminded of a story from my uh, my cousin-in-law who spent oh, his mother passed away and he was trying to cancel her AOL account. And the hoops he had to jump through to prove that she was no longer with us were just 
awful. It's just awful and terrible. And people have so much going on at that point anyways that you don't want to have to make it any harder on them. So, you know, it's something to think about. But I think the idea of having sort of a one password vault or maybe a safety deposit box with a lot of sort of the key information in it is probably a good way to go. But uh, yeah, I'm probably still not going to think about it for a little while left. I'm going to stick with my uh, plan that I've had since childhood, which is simply never to die. Mm. And uh, so far, it's worked out great. And uh, my concern with this stuff is that security everywhere is, is such, still such a mess where you, know, you think about what that poor woman went through with her late husband as against something like what Matt Honan went through or recently Brian Krebs, uh, who writes the uh, that, uh, very interesting security uh, site where, you know, people were able to go in and repeatedly change his PayPal information. Like while he was, he changed, he would change it back. They'd go and change it. I guess I feel like there's still so much that needs to evolve before I try and find more ways to develop one big key for it. I worry right now about things like, what if I don't have access to my phone for two-factor authentication? I worry about what if that goes away. So I I guess I, I do want that to be better than it is right now, but I could also use a lot of help first getting the basic system uh, secure and consistent. I mean, how many of you feel comfortable doing anything on the PayPal site? I feel like I'm sticking my hands into the mouth of a dragon every time I do mm-hmm. anything. They will shut everything down with the with the least whiff of concern about this stuff. So I want it all to get better, but I also, before they work on one big key that's easy to pass out, I would like to feel more consistent about understanding how these systems work that I could share it with somebody and be confident they could get to it without it just shutting down too. Uh, I, uh, my wife knows my master password and I figure she'll have to, uh, sort it out is the short answer to this question. (laughs) And beyond that, I haven't done a whole lot. I I figure that, um, uh, you know, unless there's a, a, uh, meteor strike or something like that there will be people around who know about the various parts of like how the web server runs and things like that that they can take care of it and shut it down and do what they need to do and then my wife knows enough to sort of get access to the stuff that she doesn't already have access to which she really does so I, i've got a i've got a backup there if uh if both of us died in a plane crash or something like that then i don't know i mean i'm not sure it, 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 anybody needs the passwords to my <laughs> itunes library and my kids might know some of them anyway because they're sneaky like that so I should probably think about it a little bit more, but I, I, I have, I would say not a, not a, uh, it's not about denial so much as sort of thinking that through the scenarios and thinking that in a lot of these scenarios, it doesn't really matter who has access to my, you know, logins to stupid websites on the internet because, you know, that, that stuff doesn't matter and the financial stuff is more, uh, more covered and, and available. But yeah, you know, we should all probably think more about it, um, in, including, including me. So uh, it's a it's a good uh, it's always good to to think about it. Otherwise, you end up in a situation which is very much like um, my father always used to say. Well, um, when I'm dead, I won't care. It'll be your problem uh, to my mom. And you know, and he died a couple years ago. And yep, it's her problem now. And we laugh about that every now and then. She's like, well, now she has to deal with all. of You the knew what you were now. getting into. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I, it is a big problem, and we're seeing it more and more. And I think it's just something to think about because we all think, oh, it's not going to be that big a deal. We're we're techie and our family kind of knows how to handle this, but but it is big deals for kind of the everyday person who may not have a one password solution or, or may not have, you know, it's something that we talk with 
with our clients about, both from a legal standpoint and from a practical standpoint of can someone get access to your stuff? A lot of people are worried about, you know, their Facebook page and their email and how, just how how are you going to contact all of my friends and let them know that something has happened? So it's it's worth having a conversation. It's it's worth having a plan. And uh, it's it's something that even the legal community is, is continuing to evolve in. So uh, all things to think about. Yeah, it's worth thinking about. Well, now that we've thoroughly uh, d- distressed and depressed everybody, let's tell you about our halftime sponsor. We're halfway through. It's all uphill from here, folks. It's all uphill from here. Uh, this episode of Clockwise brought to you by the good people at Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Enter offer code CLOCKWISE at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. Now, when it comes to giving yourself a place online, there's nowhere better than Squarespace. They put all the power you need into your hands. They take away the pain points like worrying about setting up a web host, scaling what to do if you get stuck with something. You can build a site that looks professionally designed regardless of your skill level because they're these beautiful uh, professionally designed templates. They're responsive, so they look great on desktop and on laptop and on tablet and on phone. Regardless of what platform we've forced you to have because we've taken your Apple device away, it'll still look great. Uh, The tools are easy to use. You don't need to know how to code. They've got state-of-the-art technology powering the site. Uh, uh, There's 24-7 live chat and email support. They've got uh, support teams all over the world. There's a commerce platform, so if you want to sell something, it's built right into Squarespace. You can build a cover page, which is this great-looking single-page website if you need to create uh, a splashy website for, let's say, an event that you're hosting. You can do that very easily. And uh, they've got a developer platform if you want to stretch it even Further Now, if you sign up for an entire year for Squarespace, you'll also get a free domain name, allowing you to choose exactly what you want your site to be called. And Squarespace plans start at just $8 a month, kind of mind-boggling, because you're getting everything. You're getting the templates and the hosting and all of the power of Squarespace for $8 a month. So you can start a trial with no credit card required and start building your website today by going to squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, use the offer code CLOCKWISE. You'll get 10% off your first purchase, and you will show your support. Support for Clockwise. So, thank you to Squarespace for supporting the show and all of Relay FM and the spectacular halftime performance that's been going on behind me this entire time. I ju- the smoke is just starting to clear from the fireworks, so we can get back to the show. Squarespace, thank you. Built it beautiful. All right, get the ba- marching bands off the field. It is time to resume. Really, really wish everyone could have seen that, Jason. It was it was spectacular. Well, I'm kind of glad that they didn't see the wardrobe malfunction, though. So that 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 at least don't want to get fined by the FCC on that one. Dan, sorry. What is? (laughs) Put the pants back on, Merlin. Uh, Dan, uh, what's your topic? So we all like to wax rhapsodic about the tools that we love using every day uh, and the the well-designed software that we just enjoy the heck out of and wish everybody else would use. However, uh, I recently was complaining about the... uh the app for one of the services I do like, CrashPlan, which has kind of an old app written in Java. And I got a lot of responses on Twitter to people who had similar feelings. Um, and, you know, none of us quite ready to make a switch to another product because of our uh, our buy-in and our, and our love for the service, frankly. But so my question to you guys is, what what is the worst piece of software that you use that you still actually rely upon and just can't somehow tear yourself away from? Merlin? Um this is going to be a shocker, um, very unconventional answer. <clears throat> it's an app uh, for OS X called iTunes. 
Uh, <laughs> and it's sibling uh. apps for iOS, uh, the Apple Music apps. I, I don't, I guess in some existential sense, I don't have to use these, except that I kind of do. iTunes is the nexus for so much of the stuff that happens with the content in the Apple ecosystem. And this has all been very well cataloged uh, elsewhere. But I mean, I'll just, let's just focus on the music part of it. The, the Apple Music service, if you can get to it, is outstanding. But it is, it is very complex and difficult to use. I don't think it's intuitive how to do even fairly basic stuff, let alone all the kind of, you know, bobbly sort of things they've added on to it that you can do with playlists and stuff like that. That's the one that's, I guess, it, it's more than a lifestyle app. I, it's difficult to not interact with those apps if you're doing anything with content um, in the Apple ecosystem. The other one that's not specifically an app, but I mean, this is always going to, I feel like this is the Razzie Award winner for 20 years now, is almost every website that involves money. Where it's <laughs> it's amazing how many how many websites have gotten so great, so easy to use. You go to something like a, a place like you know an e-commerce site, someplace like Harry's. You buy stuff from like Eat Twenty Four uh, for food delivery. All those sites that used to be so difficult to use have gotten so much better. I'm still, and this maybe this goes back to security. I'm still utterly perplexed by the design. Uh, and implementation behind some of the sites that are uh, used by banks or investment places. And uh, those are the ones that you really, you really have to use and they really have to work. And once again, they are relatively fault intolerant, or if you don't get it right, there are consequences. Uh, with, the, with the exception, I would say, in fairness, being um, the uh, app and service called Simple, which is an online banking thing that I really, really like. Uh, they take a lot of the pain out, and their site is really great to use. Their app is great to use. But I think that's, you know, I would have to say Apple and iTunes for my lifestyle, and then uh, banking sites and money sites, just the worst. Dan, uh, Crash Plan uh, definitely was on my list. So it's funny that that was the impetus for you to have this. It is this, uh, I keep hearing rumors they're building a Mac app. Oh, yeah, they, they responded and, and were kind of, you know, yeah, yeah, it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> sure. It's been coming for years. Yeah, <laughs> but instead we've got this kind of Java monstrosity. So I, I um, beyond that, and I'll just mention that almost any professional audio app that I found, especially plugins, those interfaces tend to be just disastrous, and they seem to have not been updated in 15 years, and they don't care. Um, I'm going to call out a Mac app called uh, Caliber. It it is a uh, an open source ebook app. <laughs> Great it let, pick! It lets yeah. you build epubs. <laughs> it lets you. It actually does some amazing things, including convert between different formats. You can take a Kindle book and turn it into an epub and view it in iBooks. Uh, there are lots of cool things you can do with it, and it's an open source project and it's free. And I really appreciate that it exists because it's very powerful. It is just the worst interface in the world, and it's painful to use it, but it's powerful, so I keep using it. And on iOS, I'm going to mention an app called uh, that Marco Arment turned me on to called iCast Pro. Similarly, great functionality. It lets me live stream audio like the live streams that we do on Relay and on the Incomparable from my iPad, so I can sort of anywhere I can get an audio signal in, and I have uh, an internet connection. I can do live streams, and I've used that a few times, and it's pretty awesome that you can do that. But the app itself is just this, it's its a disaster. It's got like circles and gears and it's unclear what's happening where and that you're even streaming it live, but it does work. And so I think that is a recurring element here where it, you've got functionality you really want to have and you grit your teeth and, and, and bear the fact that it's its a caged inside this awfulness. Well, I, I think you've mentioned a lot of great ones already. I, I think a couple that 
that haven't been mentioned yet. One is Skype. I, I think it's, it's, <laughs> I, I can't believe we've got a bunch of podcasters on the line and no one has, has mentioned Skype yet, but both the, uh, the Mac and iOS versions of Skype, I, I just don't understand. I, I can't sign out on iOS. I'm always online. People keep bringing me. I've even tried deleting the app from my iPhone, but yet I still show up as online. I, I, I don't know <laughs> why that happens or, or what that means. And then every time there's a new version, everything breaks and it's, just, I, I don't know. And, and it's a tool that we rely on so much. I, I, the podcast as we know it wouldn't wouldn't happen without Skype. I don't know what we would do. And thankfully, knock on wood, it still works. But uh, I, I, I'm very nervous about it. The, the other one is is Quicken. I, I still use Quicken for a lot of my financial management. I've, I've tried other tools. I know there are other tools. Quicken's the one that I keep coming back to because all of my banks and financial institutions just support it and it's easy, but I hate it. Every every week when I launch it to reconcile things and download things, it's just, oh, it's a, it's a very un-Mac-like experience. So those are my two. Those are those are all good choices. Um, and the uh, my backup, if I hadn't picked CrashPlan, I think my backup was actually Google Docs, which I uh, use so much. And yet yep. there are things about it that are so awful. Um, and it, among other things, like it just eats memory, like it's like breakfast. It's just it's just devours mm. it. So yeah. So I, I you know what I should have figured that uh, asking people to to complain about apps would have been a big hit because we all love doing that. <laughs> Um, Merlin, what's your topic? Well, it, it seems to me that uh, more and more of us have over the years picked up the iPad, and I feel like I've heard. I know this is. I feel like this is true for Jason. I think it's true for the other folks here. Uh, I have really come to find the iPad has found a place in my life. The iPad Pro. I'm still kind of getting my sea legs with the iPad Pro. It's way too big for my little doll hands, but I'm very interested in the future of the iPad. Uh, even as people are constantly predicting that it's going to die any day now, I love it, and my iPad Air 2 is still. It's up there with the SE30 in terms of like my favorite Apple devices I've ever owned. So I guess my question for you is, if, if you are using an iPad and you can say, what are the kinds of tasks that you actually prefer to do on an iPad? Is there a certain model you like? But just in general, is, is there stuff that you would actually rather do on your iPad than someplace else? Oh, um, I think I would much rather, I'd much rather read things on the iPad. I'd much rather read comics. I'd much rather read web pages. I'd much rather... Uh, gee, what else? I'd much rather read Twitter on the iPad. Uh, I'd much rather watch video on the iPad. I mean, all these things that I do on the iPad instead of sitting at my Mac, that's one of the reasons why. Um, there are sometimes when I think, uh, it's, Sometimes I would like to write on the iPad only because I feel like it's less distracting. Although, to be honest, as great as iOS 9 multitasking is, um, it makes it easier to distract yourself while using the iPad. And so you got to exert uh, a little more, like on the Mac, a little more personal self, self-control instead of having the operating system provided for you by you know, keeping all the other apps away. Now you can put your Slack channel or your Twitter right next to the thing you're supposed to be writing and never write it. So, um, uh, but still, I, I think if you can focus, there there are times when I really prefer writing on the iPad too. Not I do most of my writing on the Mac, but but I would I would throw that in there. So I I, I think that's it. Um, I can can edit podcasts on uh, the iPad, but I'm not sure I would prefer it only because I think I'm still a little bit faster on the Mac, and and uh, the, there's a, a lot of rigmarole that you have to get through to get the files on the iPad. So it comes back to that for a lot of things. And I certainly prefer using Microsoft's products on the iPad to the Mac because I think they're way better on iOS than they are on the uh, on the Mac. There's so many things that I prefer on the iPad. I, I am an iPad Mini user. I, I have an I, the new iPad Mini Four, which is wonderful, and I never thought that 
I would have any interest whatsoever in an iPad Pro. I just immediately dismissed it. But I will say that I laid hands on an iPad Pro. I, I went to an Apple store because they're the closest one's about an hour and a half from me uh, over this long weekend and spent a good amount of time with an iPad Pro. And it was all I could do to walk out of the store without buying one and, and suddenly kind of understand now what people are talking about when they find the appeal of the iPad Pro. So th- there may be an iPad Pro in, in my future. But for the iPad Mini, what I love so much about it um, is I love the ability to read on it and to do casual browsing. It's it's about the size of a, a paperback book or a little bit larger. And whether it's it's reading Instapaper or whether it's reading RSS feeds or whether it's reading books from iBooks or Kindle, you know, just being able to pick it up and, and read it or browse on it or flip through Twitter on it or any just kind of reading and browsing on that iPad is wonderful. You know, as long as I'm not um, you know, trying to actively engage with something like if I, you know, then I'm I'm really enjoying the iPad. In fact, I'll, I'll put down my Mac and walk across the room or walk across the house to go pick up the iPad to go do those types of activities where I'm lounging in bed or lounging in a chair and in, in leaving the desk so that I can do some of those more casual activities on the iPad. I, I just find it a much more comfortable environment for those types of things. Yeah, I'm I'm very similar in terms of Jason's re- response, I think, which is mainly it ends up being about consumption for me. The iPad is very much like the line on the couch, uh, you know, surfing the web, checking Twitter, checking Slack, watching videos. It's great for plain watching videos. I used that recently. It's it's I much prefer that to watching it with a with a laptop, which seems bulky and un- unnecessary. Um, and, and like Jason, I, I like the sort of non distracted feel of writing on the iPad sometimes, but. Um, I think recently I've been writing back on the Mac again, and I find that just so much easier for certain things and just the way that I work. Um, and so I find that there are places for both of them. Like, I, yes, you know, pursuant to our earlier question about which device you might get rid of, I feel like I could probably survive better without a tablet than without my laptop. Um, but I choose not to make that choice. Yeah. Uh, so um, definitely a, a lot of that. I really love reading comics on the iPad Air 2. I switched recently from an, a mini to an iPad Air 2. Um, and I, I really enjoy the iPad Air 2 for that. Um, I used to really like it for marking up PDFs and stuff like that, too. But it's been a while since I've had to do that. Um, so in general, I you know I feel that they do have overlapping use cases. But there are a lot of things I prefer the iPad for just because it's so light and so easy to pick up and put down. I don't feel like I'm carrying a whole computer around with me um, that it really it ends up being a majorly a consumption related device for me. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I, it is the in some ways. Short of, uh, like, if you want to watch a movie on a big screen, it's nice to have the big screen. But, yeah, for consumption stuff, whether that is reading Twitter or, gosh, reading comics, I mean, the reason I've kept the Marvel Unlimited for so long is it is so great to read on a big iPad Pro. I guess what I've landed on eventually is that it's maybe the most complimentary second screen in my life, where there's a primary thing I could be doing somewhere else, and having the iPad there... It complements that and sort of vice versa, where, you know, it, it's it really it has a nice place uh, in my life for being the, the, the second screen, whether that's talking on Twitter while I'm watching a movie or, or what have you. The only thing that's really unique that I still am surprised how much I like is uh, <laughs> using the coloring app called Pigment. Uh, with an Apple Pencil. And I know this is a hip thing to be into right now, but it is so it is so fun. It's a, this vector program where you can zoom way, 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 way in and, and color in these little areas, and it's very relaxing, very focusing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I, you know, I don't... I feel like this is a device where if I try to use it the way I would use a traditional advi- device, I'm not using it right. And so this is the year where I'm trying to let this iPad Pro teach me what it wants to be, and I'm, I'm finding it to be a very uh, interesting journey. So thanks for your answers. 
Cool. We have just time for our bonus topic before we go. Our bonus topic, uh, this time I thought we would, uh, uh, we've got some geographic uh, diversity on the panel. Uh, Everybody's going to answer this question different. There are as many right answers to this question as there are different kinds of snowflake. It is this. Snow, do you love it? Do you hate it? Katie? I live in Florida. I don't know what snow is. You yeah. have no opinion on snow. Do you? You could visit it. <laughs> I, I think it's fun for a very short period of time when you go to visit it, but then we just don't know what to do with it. Okay. Florida perspective on snow. Dan? Bro, do you even snow, bro? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think any of you know what snow is. Come on. You guys all live in nice, warm climates. I live in an igloo like nine months out of the year mm-hmm. uh i it's no i guess i'll say this uh i think we all love to hate it because we're we're all martyrs and puritans here in the northeast so we we like to we like the feeling of we get dumped on and then we get to complain about it and then we have something to talk about with everybody else oh all that snow right right yeah i think snow is kind of the las vegas of weather where if, if someone <laughs> wants to transport me to it for free every couple of years i'll do it but i definitely not, would not want to spend more than a couple of days there also i never have to drive in it so i'm going to say i love snow uh, I kind of like snow too, but again, I have the I have the native Californian perspective on snow. In in in, uh, in California, most people snow is a thing you can drive to see. Let's go to the snow, and you can go see it, and then you leave, and the snow goes away again. And it's really great when you can just go visit the snow, and then say goodbye to the snow, and it goes away. So that's so I love it because it does not follow me home. And that's it. We're we're at the end of Clockwise. We we did it, Dan. We did it. Yeah, another show in the books. Amazing. So uh, I'd like to thank, uh, to my left, my guest, Katie Floyd. Thank you so much for being back on Clockwise. We appreciate it. And and your Floridian perspective on snow. Thank you for having me. And Merlin Mann, thank you so much for being here. Always a pleasure. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm glad we deployed uh, Merlin so tactically this week, Dan. Yeah, that was a smart move on our part. I think so. Put him back in his box now. Slide back into the cabinet now. Back into the Mylar sheath from which he emerged. Mint mint condition Merlin. I love you. (laughs) And uh, I think that all that leaves us, Dan, is time to say to everybody out there, we'll see you next week. But until then, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.